1: Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast in which two films with something in common go head-to-head to to see which one does it better. On this episode, in the red corner, wearing rollerblades and a smirk, it's 1995's Hackers. Dave? Yeah, ma, What are you doing? I'm taking over a TV network. Finish up, honey, and get to sleep. Hackers And in the blue corner, looking nervous and confused, it's another visitor from 1995,
0: The Net. Sandra Bullock is caught... in The Net.
1: So what is the connection between these two movies and which will be victorious? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Big introduction. Welcome to Clash of the Titles. I'm Alex Zane.
3: I'm Vicky Crompton.
1: And I'm Chris Tilly. And as you just heard, the two films going head-to-head on this week's show are Hackers and The Net. They were chosen by our very own Vicky Crompton. So, Vicky, tell us what connects these two movies.
3: I have chosen movies where the internet looks old.
1: Woo! <laughs> I'd, I'd figured it out. Oh, had you? I mean, so had I.
3: <laughs> so, to explain... yeah. Um, both of these films um are from a time that I would say most of us didn't know what the internet was mm-hmm. or how to use it properly. Um as an example, would you tell me what your first email address was, please? Oh,
2: that takes me back. Um <laughs> was that I it? think. <laughs> at, oh, oh no, I got it, I got it. Hash me my slippers. <laughs> that <I laughs> takes me back. That was yours, Vicky. <laughs>
3: so mine was um because of South Park, and which I can't even remember the episode of South Park that kicked it all off, but I thought this was hilarious, and it was crack whore at hotmail.com. Oh no! I know it's really awful. It's, it's absolutely dreadful. It's dreadful. So, just, it's...
1: but you got the first crack whore. I did actually. I <laughs> thought of it like that.
3: Good for me. Well done. Yeah, I should, I should have sold it on if you can do can, that It's almost. weird how no one else had picked
1: <laughs> crack whore <laughs> that you just got crack whore not crack whore 1979. Yeah, it's strange. Can isn't I call it? you that for the rest of this no, show? No, don't ever, okay. don't
3: ever mention it ever Ooh, again. You bought it up.
1: So, Vicky gave us two films. You got The Net, I got Hackers. We're doing it chronologically, even though they both came out in 1995. Hackers came out after
2: The Net. Chris? Today, I'm talking about 1995's The Net, a techno-thriller that's basically Norton's antivirus software, the movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sandra Bullock plays an isolated cybersecurity specialist whose identity is wiped from the world when she uncovers a vast conspiracy. The film building towards a nail biting finale at the most exciting location imaginable <laughs> a computer trade show.
0: Computer analyst Angela Bennett was just doing her job. When she stumbled onto something... What is this? ...she never should have seen.
2: Someone's tapped into the system. How long would it take to track her? So, uh, further to your question, Vicky, I was going to ask you guys when you first used the internet, because Erwin um, Winkler, the guy who directed this, a famous um, Hollywood producer, found it really tricky to get financing for it. He Basically, whoever he went to, he had to explain the internet to them. <laughs> um, the student, People at the studios did not know, but he was really intrigued by it as a concept and got hold of these screenwriters, Michael Ferris and John Broncato because he liked the script they wrote for the game
3: I love that film so much that yeah. is a great movie I love that film. should we talk about that instead it's not it is <laughs>
2: massively underrated though the
1: yeah. game it's like it's sort of because it, David Fincher had done seven and everyone was like what's next and he did the game people went
2: Mah. and I'm like wrong
1: yeah. brilliant yeah,
3: it's absolutely brilliant
2: Um, but has similarities with this script in that it's you know it's a sort of tense paranoid thriller but this started out as a very different beast he, he called those guys in to meet with them and told them he wanted to make a movie about resume tactics. Tampering. What he'd read an article about people in Japan changing their CVs to make themselves seem more valuable, and so asked these guys <laughs> to write a script about someone trying to get a job in advertising who changes their resume. Wow! <laughs> and thought, they, yeah, they said they minutes. said mm, no. no, and so through their discussions, they, uh, they Winkler in, eventually asked them to write a dark paranoid thriller in the vein of the Parallax View or three days of the condor Mm. and he also wanted to make a film about a woman in jeopardy who manages to save herself without the help of a man doing this on her own terms with her own skills and knowledge which to a degree does happen in this film well r.i.p cyber bob (laughs) (laughs) but um so they went away and wrote a very dark paranoid thriller which i will get to much later because as the movie developed and when Sandra Bullock came on board it changed dramatically from what they wrote to a slightly more generic thriller in the vein of of what people were watching at the time and at that period there were a lot of these uh, paranoid thrillers you had Enemy of the State Disclosure Techno Thriller, Sliver Sneakers Conspiracy Theory But did any of those have a website called (gasps) Pizza.net?
3: Oh my god I was thinking about this because I'd said this to you you remember I said to you about the net ages ago that in my memory I've seen the net. I would definitely double figures. I have a memory clear as day of a dot matrix screen of Sandra Bullock ordering the pizza and it's showing the pizza being cooked with like dot matrix style cooking. And I thought that was incredible. And it's not in the film. It's not in the film. Because <laughs> you funny. said that when know, we were discussing I know, I know. this going on, there's this bit yeah, and yeah. I watched it and I went, have I not got there. the wrong cut of this no, movie? It's a false memory. But
2: it's a, you, Funny enough, I mean, I don't remember that because it didn't happen, but that was all I remember. I watched it in 95 as well and yeah. haven't seen it. Since. All I remembered was her ordering the pizza online yeah. because that was a big deal, yes. wasn't it? And I'm, I'm sure they put it in the trailers.
3: Yeah, because that's, she hasn't even got a mobile phone. So there's close-ups of her ordering a pizza, doing her seat reservations on an aeroplane because that was action enough because it was unheard of.
1: Well, let's include in that she's playing Wolfenstein mm-hmm. 3D on her computer. Then she orders the pizza, which, by the way, sounds like the most god-awful pizza in the world. She goes for anchovies, garlic and extra cheese. Because up until that point, I'm like, cool.
3: You're such a babe. 20 no.
2: inches with a regular crust. Is that right? It's funny that we both made that note.
1: I was what interested. I wanted wrong to wrong know. I was fascinated.
2: Pizza's a big deal. Is it? It is. Do you want to know something sad? Yeah. Pizza.net no longer exists. I tried it myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I wonder. It's a broken link. <laughs> That's quite a useful website to have, though, isn't it? That email address. If you're, if you're a pizza company, I'm. The there. bit that loses me at the start, though, because I'm, I'm with her playing Wolfenstein. I'm actually with her
1: with her ridiculous pizza choice. The bit which loses it for me is where she turns on a monitor with a video of a fire. Oh yeah, I on love it. it. <laughs> like I love in it. her fireplace, she's got a video. I'm like, I get the fact she prefers computers to people. Yeah. But does she prefer computers to
2: fire? <laughs> <laughs> so, so
1: this. But is they
3: were real. Sorry, I used to work at. The gadget shop. Do you remember that? Yeah. And we used to sell a shit ton of DVDs of crackling fires. That's yeah. different
2: because
1: that's actually a video of a fire. It's the same thing. It looks like an 8-bit. It looks like Jet Set Willie.
3: I, I <laughs> a fire.
2: So let's talk about who this is. This is Sandra Bullock playing Angela Bennett, who, as you say, is, is a kind of lonely individual. She doesn't really leave the house. Yeah. She's living her life through the net, as it were, which, funny enough, is something that really does happen now. So, she does meet people, though, because she's got friends. She's got the
1: friend who's a Cyberbob and she's got a friend called Iceman mm-hmm. and she talks to them. And for some reason, their voices come out of the computer and they're utterly terrifying. Now, <laughs> I don't think people actually did that in 1995 because... Cyber Bob's voice is, no one has sex anymore. And then Iceman is like, I'm there, babe. Which means that it's not a standardised speaker. (laughs) They've chosen those voices or she's chosen those voices for them, which is really, really weird.
3: Yeah. Did you notice in the chat room, I was looking at some of the chat that they were having. And one of the comments from is the net is today's ultimate condom or something. I didn't, that doesn't make any sense to me. That, what does that mean?
1: Nope, missed that bit as well. Was okay. that around the same time where there was a Dot Matrix pizza cooking? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so she... Uh, we'll, call, we'll call her Sandra for the purposes of this. Yeah, Please she'll. do. Because um, it's easier. You, you love she, hearing that name. I, she, <laughs> I do. I can't, you d- <laughs> You're just I can't never going to get on. <laughs> so she works as kind of a beta tester. She goes into people's uh, computer systems, finds their faults, fixes them. And as you say, she's playing and fixing Wolfenstein 3D at the start of the movie. And so we get a bit of a sense of her and her life and I did have one question she doesn't leave the house she eats pizzas and she drinks martinis all day why is she not larger (laughs) why does she look like Sandra Bullock
3: she doesn't eat all the pizza so no. There's like over half of it left. And she only has... In
1: fact, I think you have been pretty judgy here, Chris Tilly. I think she actually has one martini in that scene after she's done all her work and she's going on vacation tomorrow morning
2: <laughs> and she listens to Mozart's ghost while she's drinking that martini. Well, that's the disc. That's the disc. I just want to talk about this. So she gets a disc delivered by FedEx from her friend, which is
1: Mozart's ghost, which mm. uh, makes a, it's a huge plot point in the movie. Is it possible? Because it's always bothered me when the FedEx guy turns up and delivers it. She goes, actually, I've got something to send as well. I don't think you can do that with FedEx. (laughs) If if someone from FedEx delivers something, can you then go, oh, brilliant. Well, while you're here, does that work? I don't know. Do you care? Right, well, well, we'll leave that one hanging. Yeah, because
3: but... no, no one cares. So let's put a pin well, in that. Well,
1: I don't know if you don't
2: care. I just think you don't know. And so you're a bit upset. That's true. Actually. With
3: yourselves. <laughs> yeah. It's just my go-to defence mechanism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
2: then the plot click kicks in. And I'm really not sure how much I care about the plot or how interesting it is to explain what is going on. She gets the floppy disk. It's It's got this dodgy pie sign on it that if you click, it permits you access to a computer security system. Well, what you have to do is you have to click on it and press Control-Shift.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: You know, because it's Mm -hmm. high-tech. But actually, when he goes... She's talking to Dale on the phone, the guy who sent us. He goes, Mm -hmm. uh, click on it and press Control-Shift. And she presses Control-Shift and clicks on it, which is not what Dale said, so... (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, if you're going to make a movie about the internet and hacking and computers, you know, you Do need right. to get it right, OK?
2: <laughs> and and ultimately, what the villain's scheme is, what this is all leading to is they... Um, the Praetorians <laughs> Wait,
3: you don't know. <laughs> the Praetorians,
2: they sabotage organizations' computer systems. Those organizations then have to buy this gatekeeper program yes. to protect themselves, but Gatekeeper is the villain because it it lets them have unlimited access to those computers systems.
3: Yeah, it's systems. the Trojan horse.
2: Because that's the plot, but the meat and potatoes of it is her them trying to kill her and them wiping her identity and them actually Forcing her to find all this out about them, I don't think she'd be finding out all this information if they weren't after her. Or they kind they of, just, yeah, they her. kind of push her into it, don't yes, they? They do. So anyway, that all kicks off when she goes on holiday to Mexico. <laughs> And I love she's him. sitting on the beach. I love him. And she meets <laughs> Devlin, Jack Devlin, played by Jeremy Northam.
1: Oh my God, he is—he's the best. He made—they meet, and he's got a laptop in his bag. So he's, I mean, he's a bad guy. Let's establish that he's a bad guy. He's a hitman. He's out to kill her, but he's trying to win her trust by saying he's a hacker too. Now I bring this up for one really important point because he goes, "Oh, look at us." this beautiful beach in the world and all we can think about is and she finishes his sentence and goes where can I hook up my modem
2: she says she it wrong she doesn't say modem so she works in computers and she's bad at computers and he's a hitman who's a very bad hitman <laughs> <laughs> Which we will get into as it goes along.
1: But we need to say it now. He is the worst hitman in cinema history. (laughs) He shoots and kills three people
2: in this movie, all of which work for him in some capacity. (laughs) 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 That's absolutely true. So I believe they call this a meet-cute, don't they? They And Vicky, I'd like to get your analysis of his chat-up. Oh, my God.
3: So you know how much I love Sandra Bullock. However... Jeremy Northam's the thing is like I'm going to reveal a bit about myself and that's going to make you want to shag me and it's I think I'm the cat at <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's and she's like oh god you're just so vulnerable and I'm definitely going to shag you I'd be like no 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 no, he doesn't
2: just that he claims he claims to be the cat and then he starts singing Moon River <laughs> And that's the moment she falls for him. Right. So this
1: is, like, he knows all this stuff. He pretends to be Mr. Perfect to her because he's been
2: spying on her
1: in the chat room.
2: Well, I can help you with that because Uh, I listened to a commentary of this with the screenwriters and they, although they said they didn't have anything to do with this Breakfast at Tiffany's shit, that was not in their script, they did say that there was a scene where she rents Breakfast at Tiffany's that was cut from the film. So this would make a lot more sense if we had that. She immediately falls in love with Devlin. Yes. Um <laughs> uh, not only does he pretend to be a cat and sing moon river, he also Puts his handkerchief around her midriff. I
3: know, doesn't she look amazing?
2: What like, is that bit, by the way?
3: Because she, he's got a big jacket on and right. they're walking on the beach and it's cold and he says, oh, you must be cold. Mm. And she thinks, and you think, that he's going to take his jacket off, the chivalrous move, and he ties a napkin around her stomach instead to make her laugh.
2: Would you thinks, like a second piece of trivia that can explain this?
3: Oh, yeah. What, did he love his jacket so much he didn't want to share it? Well,
2: there's obviously a lot of Hitchcock in this film. I mean, it's like a remake of... If you of, say that, I believe you, but I don't know. In Notorious... Cary Grant plays a character called Devlin who puts his um, handkerchief around a woman's midriff that he's uh, falling in love with. Oh, OK. But it worked for Cary Grant. Here it's just, it's this weird nod to another film that mm. actually looks stupid in this film.
1: Well, I mean, does it look stupid in a film where a guy goes, you're the midget Houdini to someone at one point. That guy who steals the person and he goes, it's oh, not yeah. here, it's not here. He go, The guy goes, ah, oh, I steal it like you ask. And he goes, yeah, you're a veritable midget Houdini. Yeah, and I... then
3: kills him. Yeah. I felt that's bad,
2: one though, one kill.
1: One go- <laughs> that's there his first
3: There is quite kill. a high body count. Like, poor old Alan.
2: All he had to do was give that guy twenty dollars and that guy would have just gone away. Or
3: just shoot her. I don't understand. He was gonna <laughs> kill her anyway. I mean, I'm not advocating for that, but he was gonna kill her anyway by pushing her overboard his- massive boat no he
1: wasn't ever going to push her overboard he was going to shoot her but then she finds the gun and he tells yeah, yeah, the yeah. worst hitman lie ever where she's like tell me about this gun that I found and <laughs> oh, he yeah. goes it's for
2: shark fishing
3: yeah. <laughs> I like that bit shark fishing <laughs> yeah. like
1: you
2: stand on a boat yeah. shooting at shark <laughs> instead of shooting her he shags her
3: he does. And that's his best bit of acting is after they've had sex on the boat and she she can't see him and she's like, oh, and then my mum is really ill and she's like opening up and he looks so unbelievably bored like bored beyond all tolerance like 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 someone should yelled cut and he's like oh i'm really uncomfortable whatever he just looks so crushingly bored and She's going Oh, i'm going on a bit or whatever i'm really sorry and he's like yeah you are a bit
1: <laughs> no no he actually then goes let's get a drink
3: yeah. <laughs> immediately she's like
1: oh, i'm just a bit nervous so i keep talking and babbling he's like, i'm gonna make a drink do you want one <laughs> so he
2: shags her and then tries to shoot her say make love let's keep it classy she jumps into bed with him very quickly for no, someone she who
1: she's literally been convinced that he is mr perfect through his conniving machiavellian ways and she spent all day with him
3: <laughs>
2: wow vicky I don't to
3: say she's on holiday <laughs>
2: well Cecilia, who reviewed the film on Amazon, didn't like that bit either. Well,
3: Cecilia's probably... She
2: she said, I loved the movie, except I kept wondering why the leading lady, who is so shy that no one at the company she works for has seen her, neither do any of her neighbours, yet on her first date with the handsome villain, she isn't too shy to go to bed with him. It doesn't make... For this, I kept saying to myself, give me a break. Oh, Cecilia. Cecilia. You're breaking
1: my heart. (laughs) Very
3: good.
2: (laughs) Right, back to the plot. Yeah, sorry. So he tries to shoot her. And that's when it the, the plot kicks into gear now because it's Sandra on the run. It's her identity being wiped. Yeah. and she, um, becomes yes. she becomes Ruth Marks. She so becomes explain, Ruth explain Marks. So explain that,
1: Alex. Well, she goes to the consulate, as you would do if you had your passport stolen and everything. And they're like, OK, we can give you a visa, Ruth Marks. And she's like, I'm not Ruth Marks. And they're like, what? Yeah, we've, this is your photo because they changed all her records. You're Ruth Marks. And she goes, hmm. If I say I'm Ruth Marks, do I get back to the US? And they go, yeah, which already is a really suspicious thing to be asking an embassy member of staff. And they go, yeah, just say you're Ruth Marks, sign here. And so she does, which sets the whole thing in motion. Now, just on a personal note, I lost my passport in New York once and had to go to the UK consulate there. And it's so stressful And it took so long. If they'd said to me, (laughs) you're "You're Ruth Marks Marks and you can go home, I would have gone, yes, I'm Ruth Marks. Um,
2: And so, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say from here on in. I feel like it becomes quite a by the numbers thriller from this point onwards that we saw a lot of in the 1990s. Do
3: you not think the reconnection with her ex was really was really well done? So she reconnects with her ex, Dennis Alan. Um, yeah they're... And the point of the film, I, th- I think the point of Alan's character, like he's he's these certain things. So choices have been made. So mm-hmm. he was married when they were together and he was her therapist. So two characterizations mm. that would lead you to think that Alan might um, turn on her or sell her down the river, mm. down the Moon River, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. So mm. he was married. So she could turn up at his house and he, his wife might still be there and he would deny knowing her. Or he was her therapist, and so someone at some point could say you're an unreliable whoever because you used to use the services of a therapist. But he's not; he just they just reconnecting, and they're they're going to be happy, and then he gets killed. Yeah. Well, hang
1: on a sec. Let's rewind because he's an educated man; he's a therapist, a psychiatrist, no less. And yet, I think the reason that they fell for each other in the first place is because she calls a modem and modem <laughs> and there's a scene in which he's like why are you freaking out mm. someone
2: just stole your purse <laughs> he says stole does he yeah not stolen did How they know you... they could do more than one take on this film <laughs> I've seen. i mean i think he's one of the best things in the film dennis miller even though he's he's not known for his acting
1: he's great he's I, think brilliant. The, I
2: think the film kicks into gear a little bit when he's on screen he's
1: although i don't know whether you're going to agree she is so out of his league right What? Sandra Bullock is like here Mm. and my hand is very high. Dennis Miller is here. My hand's slightly lower.
3: She is out of it. I'm just thinking of, does that, Is that the way around you say it? Yes. Yes. She's out of his league. Agreed. Yes, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just
2: thinking. But I guess the quality of this film depends on whether you kind of buy into the fact that she literally can't prove she's who she says she is. But you
3: would buy into it in the mid-90s. It's just the one obsession, and this comes up again in Hackers, which we'll get to, but basically the internet is used to change your police record and then that's it. Like, you're screwed.
1: I will say this because... It's Jack Devlin, Jeremy Northam's character, who changes her police record with incredible ease from the computer yeah, really easy. Just in his it. car. He changes it. And so that's why he puts in that she's uh, had drug issues. She's uh, wanted for prostitution. You're like, yeah, you like being a bit of a dick. You're being a bit of a dick. Yeah, yeah, you're being a bit of a dick here. Later on... When you see the record again, it says venereal disease. Does, yeah. Which makes you think that in his downtime, when he can't find it, he's just going, dot, 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 fuck it, have venereal disease. Yeah. It, it says, says well-
3: seeks treatment for venereal disease. Would that sort of information be on anyone's police record? (laughs) Do you know know what I mean?
2: So, from here on in, it's a lot of her being chased or her sitting at a computer typing. Yeah. Did you enjoy either of those aspects of the film?
3: I enjoyed the the fact that the stunts were very tiny. So, when she crashes the boat, when she's escaping from Jeremy Northam and she's in a dinghy, she just sort of paddles into a rock (laughs) and then it flips and she's knocked out. Flies through the air. Yeah, she's knocked out for three days. And there's a bit where he's chasing after it and he will shoot to kill like he's a baddie. And she just does a tiny jump off a bridge and he's like, oh, fuck it, I can't do that. Like, there's no way that I can go after her. Um, And then obviously there's a chasing and a carousel which is not very exciting.
1: Because he, for some reason, doesn't just go and find her and kill her.
3: No. He hides
1: in a photo he booth.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and points yeah. just a barrel of his
1: gun out of the curtain so he can't actually see what he's shooting yeah, at and just fires a couple of times. It is flawed. Again, Jack <laughs> Devlin is the worst hitman in cinema history and also dresses like a next catalogue model throughout <laughs> the movie. Yeah, he he loves a roll neck.
2: To be fair to him, he was very, he's just dressing 95, isn't he? Um, the reason I ask about the computer scenes is that the producer claims that in test screenings, audiences like the scenes with her tapping a computer so much, they put more in. I agree. And every yeah, time I they put it. more in, people wanted more.
3: Yeah, that's good. And a progress bar. I love a progress bar in <laughs> films.
2: And then can we talk about the finale? Because um,
1: Only if we talk about the build-up to the finale, because the Joker in the pack, you do not count on evil Angela Bennett. Evil Angela oh, yeah. Bennett is the best thing in this movie. Yeah, she's great. She's such a bitch, but for real, her, she's meant to be. Her character is that. but like, no matter who they are, like when the, her boss is like, it's a fire alarm. You have to go. Yeah. She's like, oh, idiot.
3: <laughs> Did you notice that when? So when the fire, uh, the fire alarm, and everyone's waiting on the street. So evil Angela Bennett's on the street, and good Angela Bennett is hacking into the mainframe mm. upstairs. So they are delayed going back into the building by a protest march. Yep. Did you notice what the protest march was about? It's for AIDS, no. Yeah, which I thought was a no, brilliant callback. Yeah, it was a treatment as a right protest march. Which goes
1: back to the Secretary of
2: Defence or
1: uh, the, Secretary who, of State. Who, who, who we didn't
2: mention. So the, the film opens with um The Secretary of State Under Secretary of Defence. Right. Told you. Getting the news over the phone. Yeah. That you he don't has. know what it is, though. Yes. But he, we find out later that he has AIDS and so he, he shoots himself. Well If we're going to do it, do it properly. He goes to the park,
1: speaks to his son and his wife on the phone, eats a pear.
3: I thought it was an apple, but nonetheless. I double checked. I rewound a couple (laughs) of times.
2: Can I do a quick sidebar on that opening? Uh, You know, he's in front of um, like a sculpture of of a a, a man emerging from the ground. That's called The Awakening. Now, um, in about 1995, I went on a school trip to Washington, and I saw that. What
3: kind of school it did was you a politi- go to? It was a
2: politics thing, and it was a... <laughs>
3: that's sorry, not, That's not my question. Not an answer, either. <laughs> we went to Alton Towers, is all I'm saying. <laughs> and that was a big treat. I went to Beamish. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> but you went to DC. Cool, cool. I went to DC,
2: and I saw that sculpture, and I came back to school, and in art class... I copied it and passed it off as my own, and I got a really good mark for it. <laughs> I did a really shit version of it. So anyway, Evil Angela. Okay, we're back on her.
1: Well, no, I just want to say because we've established that uh, first of all, Jack Devlin is one of the worst hitmen in movie history. Evil Angela is also a hit woman of some note. She has a gun and she's out to kill Sandra Bullock,
2: and uh, she actually has a go at Devlin for not killing her. Right. Hmm. However, when they're at the computer convention, (laughs) the Pan Pacific Computer Convention, the Pan Pacific
1: Computer Convention, she turns to Jack Devlin and goes, let's finish the work and get the hell out of here. These people make me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> so let me just establish she's basically going, you know, remember when I applied for this hit woman position? The one thing I did say was I can't
2: be employed at computer conventions because <laughs> I've got a nervous disposition around nerds. It's very weird. I mean, thematically, <clears throat> thematically, a computer conventions are a good place for them to have the finale. But drama wise, excitement wise, it's a pretty dull location. Oh, isn't I not
1: know. I once went to a Dungeons and Dragons convention in Nottingham and met Mr.
2: Bronson from Grange Hill. Ah, Go of on, Star Wars fame as well. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, was he nice? He was lovely. Oh. Really, really nice. I would have been scared cuz Mr. Bronson was very frightening, wasn't Most he? Most terrifying character on TV as a kid. A better villain than Jack Devlin. <laughs> <laughs> and a better
1: hitman. He, he actually he actually what was the kid's name who ends up killing himself? Oh, da- Danny. Zemo. No, no, Zemo no Danny, was the, Danny's D- Danny. Oh. There's a kid called not Danny Zuko. <laughs> what?
3: There was oh, a kid in Grange Hill yeah, yeah. who kills himself da- because of Danny. Mr... Danny
1: something. He, something. Danny something. Yeah. He kills that. himself in Mr Bronson's car. So actually, Mr. Sure not yeah. the same Mr Bronson from Grange Hill has a higher body count than <laughs> professional hitmen. <laughs>
2: Jack Devlin. Um, but it sort of all happens quite quickly, and I found it all a little bit underwhelming, in that she sends some transmission over the net, yeah. which is not a fun way to sort of have victory at the yeah, end of she your sends, film? Well, she
3: sends an email. I will say my problem
2: is the lack of Jeff Gregg. Jeff Gregg is the big bad yeah. in this. Exactly what I was going to say. So this is Greg Microsystems is behind it all. Greg is the villain of the piece and we never actually spend any time with him whatsoever. Not at all. Would you like another bit of trivia? They offered the role of Greg. I'm not making this up. They offered the role to Bill Gates and he said yes and then changed his mind and pulled out. But he was going to play Break, well, that doesn't surprise me. He went, cool, I'm in a movie. And they went, here's the script. He went, hey, yeah. fuck you guys. Yeah. Well, speaking of the script, would you like to know what might have been? So the original script, she was agoraphobic and psychologically unstable. Good, already and better. So, and so she starts mentally unravelling when the identity stuff happens, which I think is a much more interesting direction to I go think in. there's a
3: bit of that still in here. So when she's on the phone to evil Angela the first time round, she just looks... She looks like she starts to believe it a bit. Like, she looks very, very tired, like, exhausted by what she's mm. been through. And she's going, no, I'm Angela. And she's like, I think you're mistaken. I, it, I'm evil, Angela, and I'm Angela. And she looks like she's going to give up and be like, oh, do you know what? I haven't got the energy to deal with this. And then has to find her reserves of Ooh. strength.
1: And also, the agoraphobia is still in it when she goes as far out to sea as possible in a boat. <laughs>
3: Well, on and the she, direct- does, she loves that. On the fair. director's
2: commentary, he says we absolutely nailed the agoraphobia side of her personality in this film. And the screenwriters... No. They they completely took it out. It's not yeah. in the film. They they didn't She's got less space around her in Gravity and she's in space. <laughs> well, their ending was quite different. I know. Did you did you believe that Devlin was falling in love with her or not? Because I found that confusing. I didn't think it really was.
3: No, not not in love.
2: So in their version, he definitely does fall in love with her. And their finale actually he ends up killing her replacement. Um, He doesn't go off in the sunset with her or anything. But he does give her her life back. And Baker says to her, there's nothing you can do. No one will believe you. These guys are going to keep doing it. And so she's stuck. That's the more the sort of paranoid thriller side of it that they were going for.
3: And also gives the power to him, though, which wasn't the point. Because he's restoring her luck.
2: And that was their ending, which was changed for thought of being too dark and you needed a happy Sandra Bullock ending. And yet none of this seems to matter because although the film cost £22 million, it made £110 million worldwide. Yeah, it was a big hit. It was um, critically mauled. Words. 38% on Rotten Tomatoes from really? critics, 44% from the audience. Wow. Uh, I'm going to end my bit of coverage with a couple of reviews I found online. Do it. Uh, Dwight Colerook says, in this movie, Sandra Bullock played not only a computer nerd, but a moron. It was a comedy. And Maximilian says, he gives it two stars and says (laughs) average.com.
3: I'm not listening to this. This is the problem with the internet, (laughs) is that any old idiot gets a platform. Yeah.
2: RIP
1: Cyber Bob. (laughs) (laughs) All
3: right, that's the net. Anything else on the net? The net, the net, the
1: net? No. Mm. not. So the movie I was given by Vicky was 1995's Hackers, in which a group of young, sexy computer wizards rollerblade round New York while trying to avoid being framed for corporate fraud by evil hacker The Plague, a.k.a. Eugene.
2: (laughs) this time. Come here,
3: look at
2: this. It's some kind of virus. Unless $5 million is transferred to the following account, I will capsize five oil tankers. They just hacked the wrong guy. Game's
1: over. Whoever wrote this needs somebody to take the phone. Very good. <laughs> so <laughs> I have, I'm going to just come out and say, I've never seen Hackers. This was my first experience. I think I'd seen about 15 minutes of it mm. a long, long time ago, but I've never sat down and watched Hackers. And one of the things I will say before getting into this is that is the biggest disappointment
3: of my (laughs) life.
1: This movie, if I'd watched this when I was 15 years old, I have no doubt this would have been one of my favourite movies
2: of my teenage years. At uni, I lived next to a girl and this was her favourite film of all time. But I also think it's stupid because I saw it at the time and thought it was rubbish. Okay, well, maybe I'm wrong, but looking at it now through the
1: prism Mm. of cynicism, Mm -hmm. I didn't enjoy it as much as I wish I yeah. could have done. However, reading the blurb um, before I started watching it, when I was like, Johnny Lee Miller plays Zero Cool. I'm like, <laughs> okay. And then Angelina Jolie plays Acid Burn. <laughs> I was like, all right. And then I'm into it. And I'm watching it, and the police are raiding this 11-year-old's house in mm. slow motion, young 11-year-old Johnny Lee Miller. He's... That's not him playing the 11-year-old. No, I know. OK, just checking. Yeah, I realise they haven't de-aged <laughs> Johnny Lee Miller, although he does look so much younger in this than Train Spotting, which was yeah. just a year later. Yeah. So he's being uh, arrested and charged because he hacked Wall Street, causing a seven-point drop in the NY stock market, mm-hmm. is what the film says. Mm. I'm an adult... <laughs> I have no idea what that means
2: and how bad that
1: is.
3: I thought you were going to say, because I'm an adult, I understand the gravity of that situation. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite.
2: <laughs> the character is loosely based on uh, a guy called Dave, uh, Kevin Mitnick, who was a very famous hacker in America. Um, he's, he he went to prison for years for d- doing hacking. But, but at, a, at age 12, he found a way of hacking into the Los Angeles bus system and riding around for free. That was his first crime. They sent him to prison for that? He didn't go to prison for that. Wow. But that was his first crime. And he did it via social engineering, which... If you're reading, as we've been reading around it, that's a lot of what hacking actually is. Yeah, it's just ringing It's phoning people up people and, and convincing yeah. them of stuff. It's right. not yeah. as technical as it yeah, sounds, like is it? And 100%. to be fair, hackers does a good job of showing that.
3: Anyway,
1: he gets charged by the judge who finds the parents $45,000 and then sentences him and says, you are forbidden from using a computer until the day of your 18th birthday. Basically, the judge is going, yeah, so uh, on his 18th birthday, parents who have just fined $45,000 Maybe get him a computer.
2: That should be his gift. Well, Alex, what would your sentence have been to young, zero, cool? Well, if I'd been the dad who, when he
1: gets fined $45,000, just sort of goes and rolls his eye. <laughs> I'd have
3: been like, give him the chair. We can't afford it.
1: But anyway, this is all just preamble. Johnny e. Miller is now 18 years old. We first see him hacking a TV station. And like you say, just to go into the whole purpose of hacking and mm. the way hacking works, he does call the station and goes, hey, I'm Eddie Vedder. Funny. Yeah, uh, funny. Can I get this? And the guy goes, yeah. And so he hacks it so he can watch. He changes the TV to the outer limits because that's what he wants to watch there and then. Yep. Mm. Kids, this is the 90s. Before streaming, <laughs> this is how you got to watch what you wanted to watch. <laughs> you, had
3: to <laughs> <station>. <laughs> you had to hack a TV
1: station, and it then uh, acid burn shows up. We don't know it's Angelina Jolie at this point. It's just another hacker who goes, "You're on my turf." They have a robot fight. You see the text, yeah. changing robot this, hands. Yeah,
2: hacking apparently works by two mechanical robot arms yeah. going at each other. Yeah. I guess they're trying to find ways to bring to life hacking, but this one doesn't work. I've written "ridic" down a lot watching this film, and that's the first of my "ridics." And
1: their banter, him and Acid Burn, is quite good. It's He's top bants. until the very end. Now, when she wins and she throws him off, and he get his connection terminated, he looks at the screen and he goes, "Shit on me!" He,
3: oh God, he does.
1: <laughs> now, I just want to make it clear: I grew up in the nineties. That was never something any of us said in the 90s. You didn't go, oh, I missed my school bus. Shit on me. (laughs) I've overdone these eggs. Shit on me. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) All right, fine. Anyway, that's my point. My point is this film, while it sort of purports to be this window into counterculture coolness, has weird moments like that Mm. where an older filmmaker slash scriptwriter has gone, that's what the kids are saying, and you're like, no, (laughs) no. No one's
3: saying that! No, nope, no one ever wants to say that. No one ever wants to hear that, I don't think. I think the another weird thing is his relationship with his mum. Does anyone else think that was a bit weird? Fisher Stevens as the baddie. The way he sort of gets to Johnny Lee Miller is he threatens to have Johnny Lee Miller's mum strip searched. And that's the thing that, like, oh, but these, like, fine, I'll give you what, whatever it is that you need. Mm. Is this necessary? Like, is that's not a? There are other ways of. You can invent any way of finding mm. a character's Achilles heel. That's weird.
1: I don't know. We have skipped forward, but I want to mention this now, just before either of you mention it, because <laughs> I am fully aware that I, not even similar, I have the exact <laughs> same hair as Fisher Stevens. You really do in this movie, <laughs> like to the point where I'm like. Did I somehow subconsciously always want to be Fisher Stevens, a.k.a. The Plague, a.k.a. Eugene, in this film? It is
3: unsettling. It's,
1: it's, it's ridiculous. So I think the one thing we do need to talk about, which is, again, this whole idea of like what is cool, what is counterculture, what are these people doing that really represents just how cutting-edge they are? And apparently the filmmakers think, and it is 1995, so fair enough, rollerblading. Yeah. Mm. The only one is on
3: wheels literally all the time. For
2: the whole film.
1: There's a
3: scene where Fisher Stevens is rolling no, or skateboard Skate- alongside a car. <laughs> so like- well no,
2: he's just doing he's doing Martin McFly. Yeah, he's a skateboarder though.
1: That's very different. Because yeah. actually skateboarding is cool and he does look cool. D-
3: Do you think skateboarding's cool? Yeah. And you think you're an adult? <laughs> um, all right, don't, I think it's cool
1: in the roll, rollerblading. I will say this. So if, <laughs> yeah, if, if <laughs> you are if you are a rollerblader and you go to the park and you keep fit through rollerblading full respect. I'm not yeah, saying don't course. rollerblade. I am saying that in this movie, if you're Johnny Lee Miller and you turn up to a bar at night on a Friday night in New York on your rollerblades. That's a stupid thing to yeah. do because, first of all... But it's
3: a rollerblading club. Right. Yeah, is it a youth club? Like it's... Because they're 18, so there can't be any booze. So isn't it just some sort of youth club? But, you
1: know, if you are turning up in rollerblades, at some point you're going to want to take the rollerblades off. You don't want to be in them all night. They're which very means heavy. They're very heavy. You've got your shoes in that rucksack he's wearing. He's got a pair of shoes. Mm. which means that he at all times has a bag with him that smells of feet, like always, throughout this movie. Don't you? I do. You know, so, Literally, he probably smells of feet and links Africa throughout <laughs> yeah. this movie. It's 95. We We've skipped a bit because I didn't know much about this movie, as I said, I never really saw it. I fist-pumped the air because at 15 minutes and 37 seconds, I wrote it down, we've had touch-tone phones... This is the 90s. Mm. We've had tie-dye waistcoats. It's the 90s. We've had the prodigies voodoo people. Mm -hmm. 15 minutes and 37 seconds. Matthew Lillard turns up. (laughs) Thank God. I was like, (laughs) 90s Matthew Lillard. Mm -hmm. Scream. Yeah. Dead Man's Curve, Wing Commander.
3: (laughs) He's
2: giving the performance he gave throughout the 90s, isn't he? But this is. I love him beyond the 90s. 13
1: Ghosts is a brilliant film that we should talk about at some point, but not now. But
2: he's doing a Matthew Lillard in this, but it feels like in this one, it's extreme Matthew Lillard. He's turned Matthew Lillard up to 11. Yeah. yeah. Where
1: the minute you meet him, he's selling counterfeit or like illegal compilation tapes.
3: (laughs) No, but I think he's like invented Spotify because he's saying, I've made a mixtape and Mm. there's a theme and it's artists that. um, have
1: died, died on their own asphyxiation own on their own vomit. Yeah.
3: Which, just as a side thing, when people use the phrase they choked on their own vomit, mm-hmm. who else's vomit would anybody choke on?
0: It's oh. always, it's just,
3: I mean, I don't know. Nights get crazy, but that's just such a standard phrase. Not Matthew Lillard's fault. It's just, it was a distraction for me, but you can't, you,
2: it's a
1: very... you have to try
3: really hard. To chalk on somebody else's comment. Yeah. Anyway, he invented Spotify. Yeah. I think. Let's talk about <laughs> his
1: mate Joey, uh, the fifteen-year-old Joey. The kid that
3: smokes constantly, throughout Jesus the movie, Christ, it was driving me insane. Like, but, can you just stop? But you're not smoking. But do you not think? And <laughs> I smoke. I smoke, and I'm like, kid, I know what's come I on. Like. But do
2: you think that's because we're seeing it through a prism of non-smoking now? Where no. when you watch that, no, I'm thinking, saying, when you watch that in 1995, did you notice it as much? Because it's weird watching people smoke indoors now, isn't yeah, it? And yeah. he's in that bar, chain smoking. Yeah, but they do. Everyone is given a trait in this film, or a bunch of traits. His only trait is smoking. He didn't get a bloody name.
3: Yeah, smoking and being young. Yeah, gets that.
1: And the weird thing is, they've picked the youngest and freshest faced of them to smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's an unusual choice.
1: I've got a theory on that. We'll come back to, it, but there's a theory building which uh, comes in later. But anyway, so he meets Angelina Jolie. Like Alex's theories. This is it, it's a strong theory this one. But there's a bit where we find out, this is because there's a love story that beats at the heart of hackers between Angelina Jolie and Johnny Lee Miller, both off screen and on. But to, to talk about the on screen, we realize he's got a crush on her. She's with someone else called Curtis, a phantom freak, one of his friends. They walk out of this bar together and they see Curtis and Angelina Jolie snogging mm. uh, in a really very... They're tonguing.
2: Uh, yeah, because... I call it tonguing. Because the sound
3: department... <laughs> not moved on from the 90s. <laughs>
2: no, the way they're doing it is tonguing. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I literally me. have not heard that word <laughs> for...
3: Since being at school?
1: Since
2: 1995. <laughs> uh,
1: but, but, yeah, Chris is right, because they actually put the sound... Stop. Mm. They do, oh, I swear. So many people have just turned off this
2: bloody podcast. Thanks, Alex.
1: <laughs> so, Johnny Lee Miller says to Phantom Freak, he goes, uh, who's that? And he goes, that's Curtis. And Johnny Lee Miller goes, so what does he do? And Phantom Freak goes, that's pretty much it. Just looks slick all day. <laughs> just so you know, Curtis at this point has badly dyed maroon hair and is wearing a <laughs> royal blue shell suit.
3: <laughs> Curtis
1: does not look slick. <laughs> And then we get on to my favourite scene, the scene, you know, I said at the start where if I'd been 15, I would have loved this movie. This would have been my movie. It's the bit where, as revenge to a prank Angelina Jolie plays earlier, Johnny Lee Miller switches on the school sprinkler system and stands there
2: in the hall with an umbrella as everyone else is getting soaked. I'm like, badass. Badass. But it's not the perfect crime because if I'm looking for the perpetrator of that crime, it's the bloke with the umbrella <laughs> up indoors. <laughs> and weirdly, all hell breaks loose behind oh him. My God, people lose their yeah. minds. It's people dying.
1: <laughs> it gets very Lord of the Flies
2: very quickly. He does that prank because she's done a prank on him, sending him up to an imaginary pool on the on the roof, which means he gets locked out there.
1: Yeah, so they have that relationship, don't they, really? Um It's negging, I guess you'd call it. John Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie. It's the pulling of the hair in the playground. They're both, I read Mm. the game. Okay, so Nick... I read the game. <laughs> Awful!
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm so embarrassed to say that.
1: Why? It's not. A, people think it's a novel. It's not a self help book. Is that why you're
2: peacocking now?
3: <laughs> what, what's going on?
1: Have you ever? We'll read... talk about this after, It's Too embarrassing. <laughs> the Neil Strauss book, the game about how men like use certain techniques to
2: uh, appeal to women. It's him basically explaining how he got Britney Spears isn't it? He gets, Did he go out yeah, with Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's how he got to write the book because it's like, well, I got look at me and I got Britney Spears. What?
3: Well, Cuz he tricked her.
2: <laughs> that's kind of honestly it's kind of what the book is. Yeah. It's awful.
3: Oh, great. It's yeah. awful. No, I haven't read it. It was
2: literally big about 10 years ago. Everyone was reading
1: it. Not me. Oh, don't think they were allowed <laughs> to sell it to girls. <laughs>
3: Shush, they'll find out <laughs> what we're up
1: to. And um, we're back in Cyberdelia for another scene right now. And it this is this is important because Joey, the smoking kid in this scene has a cigarette in each hand which no one people who smoke there no, no one sm- no one does that you don't have a cigarette in each hand it's insane unless your movie was funded by money from the tobacco industry <laughs>
3: which is possible that
1: is my theory throughout this I because think... they pick the youngest and the best of us and they make him smoke with two cigarettes and still look healthy and young yep. oh wow I mean, there is quite a lot of product placement in this film. Mm. so Because oh, in this same scene, completely unnecessarily, yes, Phantom Freak goes, hey, someone's eating my fries. And Matthew Lillard goes, who's eating his fries? And holds up the McDonald's fries box to the camera. <laughs> With the label <laughs> facing the camera. So like, that is bad. However, that is not the weirdest moment in this scene. The weirdest moment in this scene is where Matthew Lillard starts talking about a Gibson computer. Now, this is a fictional computer that the movie is made up, and Apparently the whole idea of hacking a Gibson has entered hacker lexicon outside this movie okay. because of this. It's like the best computer in the world. He starts talking about it, and as he's talking about it, he pulls back his vest top. <laughs> oh and god, yeah. I don't I, I hope I never have to use it. and this is me saying it. I hope I never have to use this word in conjunction with this other word on this podcast ever again. He engages in some serious nipple play.
3: Not even in front of you. his friends. Yeah. I'm his worried friend. Alex
1: is going to
2: do it, aren't you?
1: Just not...
3: don't look at him.
2: It's forceful. Nipple play as well. It's <laughs> extreme Lillard we're getting here. Yeah, This is Lillard turned up to 11. So in that scene, we've got
1: Coca-Cola, we've got McDonald's, we've got tobacco. This film is basically funded
2: by the unholy
1: trinity yeah. of darkness. <laughs> the big three.
0: But
2: that's one of the first times we see all the gang of friends interacting with each other. And you know what? I really like this group. I do too. They're really fun. They've all got distinct personalities. Like, I don't think I could pick a favourite of them. It's very much because Ian Softly, the director, obviously his movie before this was Backbeat. Which is an amazing film. If you haven't seen
1: Backbeat, run and watch it now. Fantastic. And I think his whole thing, like in naming that computer the Gibson yeah. and the way they decorate all their laptops in it, he's very much, he sees them as a band yeah. and the laptops are their musical instruments and the yeah. Gibson guitar, the Gibson computer, it all ties in.
3: Yeah, but... I, I agree with you about the. They are like the the Beatles. Um, but the Gibson is for William Gibson, no?
2: Yes, it was named after William Gibson. Oh, I thought it was Gibson guitar.
3: But that still works. No, I think it's, that's it's, a good it's idea.
2: It's William Gibson, and as they say, it's a <laughs> supercomputer. <that laughs> Am you... I editing this? <laughs> <laughs> what's the, What's the Gibson stand for,
1: Alex?
3: Oh, it's that's so interesting.
2: <laughs> Graham Gibson. <laughs> Graham. <laughs> Graham Gibson. Um, it's funny you both say that because I saw an interview with Ian Sofley where he said. Cyberspace, he thought, was the new rock and roll. And the hackers were a cyber band.
3: He was wrong about that, but still.
2: And he saw this as psychedelic movie making, is how he described it. But I think it looks really cool. Almost as cool as Fisher Stevens'
1: entrance (laughs) in this film, where he skateboards into the big super workstation computer area and utters a line (laughs) that you are going to hear me saying a lot more. (laughs) Never fear... I is here. Oh, I
3: love it. (laughs) So when when the subject of this
2: film came up
1: last week,
2: you said, is that the film where Fisher Stevens says And you knew this entrance. You'd not seen the film and you immediately (laughs) had it up on your phone. Was it like saved to your phone? (laughs) I
1: love his entrance. I love him so much in this movie. I think he's the best thing in the movie. Yes. And it's not even his best line in the film no his best line is we're samurai we're keyboard cowboys we are the people who know everyone else is cattle moo oh yeah <laughs> i was
3: upsetting. he I've...
2: also says there is no right and wrong only fun and boring
3: yeah but that's a that's a recognized philosophical inroad yeah, is I, it
2: I, I, yeah. she's doing philosophy again i'm actually with her on this no, one it's fine the only thing about the plague is that he's not much of a threat is he like they've gone down the cartoon route for the villain rather than I thought he could have been a bit scary in a couple of points I think it would have elevated the film if he had that Bond thing where the Bond villains are fun but they're also you know they're going to do bad things whereas this guy Lorraine Bracco his uh...
3: she's not there's such a strange I think she's amazing yeah but I do think she might be a little bit miscast in this yeah like,
2: she's not amazing in this
3: no
1: she's not and also
3: like the reason that
2: you
1: don't really believe in him is like their relationship makes it even more cartoony because they're mm. on the escalators in a very public place having a conversation about this secret plan
3: At the top of their voices. (laughs) Like, she's going, we're going to steal 25 million! And also, you're going to see each other later.
1: His great other line, Fisher Stevens, I'm going to be doing a lot of Fisher Stevens' line, is where the agent gives him a file
2: and he goes, ugh, hard copy.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that was brilliant!
2: (laughs) Well, you mentioned the plot, so should we get into what his villainous plan is?
3: I didn't get it. I really lost Yeah. Well, if you want to find
2: out about it, I recommend watching Superman 3 because it's the plot plot that Richard Pryor is putting into action in Superman 3. I would rather you just told me than me have to watch Superman (laughs) 3 again. (laughs) Well, as you say, the cover is he's creating this ecological disaster, but it's really a cover for what he's doing. He's created a worm that's eating small amounts of money this is this is this is a plot that's been used several times so these little bits of money that he's stealing from all over the place has has Actually, totaled twenty-one million at this point in mm-hmm. the film. So, what he should do is get in touch with the tobacco industry, <laughs> <laughs> funding all sorts yeah, of stuff to make a movie. <laughs>
1: there's a moment where Fisher Stevens is smoking yeah. and Lorraine Bracco is standing next to him, and they're having a chat. And he zips her up, and you suddenly realise it's a romantic relationship. And he's smoking, and she wafts the cigarette smoke out of her face, and it cuts so abruptly at that point. Like they're like, uh-uh, no, 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 smoking's not bad. <laughs> Smoking's fine. People love smoking their face. (laughs) Tobacco money funded this movie. So as it goes on, like you say, there is this plot. And as it turns out, Fisher Stevens is trying to frame them for it, which means that Johnny Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie have to form an alliance Mm -hmm. and they start
2: becoming friends. The pair of them bond over what is my favourite scene in the film, which is the prank wars. Oh, that's good that they go to town on Agent Dick Gill, a.k.a. Bunk from The Wire. Yeah. Um, He's on their tail. He's corrupt, isn't he? He's kind of... No! no. Isn't he? I thought he was in cahoots with... um, No, no, he's
3: trying to do the right thing. He's woefully underprepared for someone who's dealing with hackers. He's like, what? My identity's being messed around with? I can't believe it. Like when he's
2: in the restaurant
1: and they wipe his credit card. (laughs) Yeah. and I know it's a montage, so it has to be quick, but the waiter tries it once. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Then literally walks over to him, doesn't say anything, and cuts it in half in front of him. Yeah, um, Is that what you do?
3: Well, there used to be, there was um, a thing that said it, it wasn't that it was declined, it's that it was stolen and you had to cut up, I've done it to someone, you had to cut up their card in front of them. Really? Yeah, honestly. It said it was stolen, so you cut it up. So what happened? What do you mean? Like, what did they do? They ran away. Did you have to call the police? <laughs> no, you just cut it up and then tell your manager and then go home.
1: So you didn't chase them? No! <laughs>
3: No. no, I didn't. Chase. I was once told when I was working in a shop that if someone stole something, I was supposed to chase after them. And I was stood there and I would watch people lifting in front of me and just walking out the door. It's like there's absolutely no way that I'm running after that person. For...
1: I once got a uh, my mobile phone stolen on Shaftesbury um, Avenue. Yeah. And uh, the kid ran off. He must have been about sort of 16. And I was about 20. And he stole it and I chased him and chased him and I turned a corner and it was a dead end. And he reached the end and started walking back towards me. (laughs) At which point I realised, what was I thinking I was going to do? Do you know what I did? I bought it back off him for 40 quid there and then. No way. (laughs) Oh my (laughs) God. I just went, 40 quid for my phone? He was like, yeah, all right. Uh, Shall we get back to um, uh, this?
3: I would like to talk about Angelina Jolie's red eyeshadow because I have seen this film before, but re-watching it, I had a recovered memory which I'd completely scotched, which is I wore red eyeshadow for quite a long time after watching this film in the mid-90s. Did you notice red eyeshadow?
2: No, I was no. Uh, looking at her lips. Her lips,
1: yeah. Her lips. <laughs> yeah I, think, I think that's fair to say. You, no, that's fair. They are
2: incredible lips. Well, it was the first time we'd all properly seen, although you didn't see this film. It was the first time I saw her in a film, and it's like, what is this? <laughs> well, who's, who's made
3: this? Who's made this and woman? It turns out it was John
2: Voight, <laughs> weirdly. that's <was> confusing. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And she's very good in this film as well. I think you can tell she's going to be the star. She's yeah. just got she's got this effortless cool and charisma. Do you know
1: there's a perfect moment which encapsulates that which is towards the end where they've come up with a plan or she's come up with a plan to actually stop them being framed by the plague and they're on the train and she goes she literally says I have a plan and then grabs her rollerblades. Mm. <laughs> And in that moment, for the briefest moment, it actually makes having a pair of rollerblades look cool. <laughs> and then immediately afterwards, you can see the look on her face is more like, shit. Why where have I, I brought I, these? Why, I'm, I'm actually going to go on foot. Does anyone ever carry a yeah. bag?
3: <laughs> <laughs> They're really heavy.
1: Is there somewhere I could sit to change?
3: Because <laughs> they go and
1: see. Uh, they go to a, a Razor and Blade, those two guys who yeah. are DJing, and the actual venue they film that at is the Ministry of Sound. Uh, is that true? Yes, yeah, Elephant Love and that Castle. Yeah, I've
2: stood on that stage and DJed it, there.
1: It's Did all- you
3: DJ the- the out. So shriek. I just don't believe you.
2: <laughs> yeah, they filmed it all in London, pretty much, apart from obviously the exteriors. Like it was an abandoned um, swimming pool. They they built the club in. Oh, not not the Ministry of Sound. No, no Cyberdelia. Cyberdelia. No. Right. Yeah, that's right. an old abandoned swimming pool somewhere in London that they that's built. Fascinating. That. Yeah. Okay. A trivia, so yeah, the plan is hackers of the world unite. There's hackers all over the world getting involved, including <gasps> yeah! an amazing cameo. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to say who it is, Vicky? Do you not know no, the cameo? No, I all don't all right? Let's let's, no, let's, no. let's let's test Alex. So, there's a bloke in London uh-huh. on his laptop, um, hacking, and uh he's in front of London Bridge, that's why we know he's in London. Did you recognize that man? No, it's David A. Stewart of the Arithmics.
3: Is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it really is. Isn't Dave, that weird? It's Dave Stewart. <laughs> it's,
2: so it's a really funny little cameo. <laughs> Do you know
1: why I was preoccupied at that point? was because all the phone boxes they were working from started rotating 360. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was cool, I yeah. thought that was awesome. Yeah, I thought must. visually that looked really cool. It did, but, I mean, it must have made it hard to time. <laughs> Can we talk about the creepy Da Vinci virus? You know, the thing, okay, where, yeah. oh, I am the Da Vinci virus. At the Better end,
2: or worse than Motel's ghost. <laughs> Just to bring it back,
1: <laughs> Moon Church Goose, <laughs> the Da Vinci Virus. Um, it seems to become sentient at the very <laughs> yeah, end. Yeah, he does. He's which, like, "Don't kill me." <laughs> yeah, that bit really upset me. Where they wipe it out and it goes, "Help me." <laughs> then there's another bit where Matthew Lillard. This is the climax. Now they've kind of sorted it all out, but they've been arrested in the process. And Matthew Lillard appears on TVs all over the world. So doing ridiculous, Matthew Lillard. Now previously, um. Agent Gill has captured Jonathan Miller and saying, it's saying again weird things that I think people thought people said in the 90s. Once again, he's like, I'm going to flush your ass. Oh, yeah. Which <laughs> no one ever said in the 90s or has said since, really. Ever. It sounds like a medical procedure. Ooh. Anyway, Matthew Lillard <laughs> appears on the screen and starts going, This is what actually happened. I'm Matthew Lillard. And everyone goes, Okay. Yep. You yeah, can go. Yep. That's it. It's ridiculous. It's sorted out. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh, thanks, Matthew Little He's like, oh shucks.
1: I'm the, you better the go craziest person. A lot on the telly. <laughs> yeah. Agent Gull actually sees him speaking. Damn it! Damn it!
3: <laughs> but I like it.
2: This film just keeps pushing in- incredulity, doesn't it? Like it starts off extreme and just keeps going and going and going. And I felt like I was with it. It's like a tidal wave of nonsense that you just get washed away by. They had a website for this movie, which apparently got hacked. The website
1: itself was hacked by real life hackers, unhappy at how they were going to be portrayed in this movie and that it was just a Hollywood money-making machine. So the movie website said this is going to be a fun, exciting promotional site for a movie. They then hacked it, graffitied over Johnny Lee Miller and Angelina Jolie's faces and wrote, this is going to be a lame, cheesy promotional site for a movie. No one to this day is sure whether that was a very clever marketing campaign for the movie or if it genuinely was hacked. My feeling is it's fake because no movie site would ever start with This is going to be a fun, exciting
2: promotional site for a movie.
3: (laughs) Well, can I add
2: (laughs) an addendum to that? Mm. Because what I read, and I'm just going to quote it directly, uh, this bit of trivia. We're back on trivia. Good. Around the movie's release, the official website was modified by its webmasters to appear that it had been hacked into, and digital graffiti with instructions to see the net instead were added to the site's graphics. Oh, cool. (laughs) Which would be a very funny, cool thing to do again but not very believable a film studio would even as a joke would tell you to go and see the other film that year that's got the same theme
3: yeah sorry I'm so hot I was just thinking about (laughs) it I was just thinking I wasn't trying to be funny I I was thinking I'm starting
1: to worry that your brain has got so hot (laughs) Mm. that you're taking three seconds longer than normal to process every new piece of information listen to what's in my
3: brain will someone get me an Aperol spritz before I fucking die?
1: <laughs> all right, all right, okay, cool. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap this up. Is there something you want to say before? Well, we... I, I would like to say about, we've talked about the music. Can I just interrupt very quickly? Mm-hmm. Understand that this better be fucking good because she <laughs> needs Aperol spritz and everything that isn't in this fucking furnace. That is a lot of pressure you're putting me under. I'm just saying, make this fact very good. Um, oh, Shit. I've got two. I've got two
2: facts. Which oh, one do I go for? Oh, I don't
1: know. But you can only God, do one. Do you want to? I'm gonna just do give two. me the subheading for both, and I'll All tell right. you
2: which. Um, soundtrack is just a conversation. Uh, toothbrush. <laughs> yeah, do toothbrush. Do you want to know why he's got a toothbrush for the whole film? <laughs> yes, please. Uh, it's because he's from a broken home and doesn't know where he'll be sleeping each night. So that's oh, why he's got the toothbrush cute. with okay, him. That's nice. This is yeah. Matthew Lillard. Yes. And the other bit, I was gonna say, this film had two sequels. What? But they were soundtracks. So it spawned, there were three Hackers, this was such a hit, this soundtrack, Bang. that they did a Bang. Hackers 2 and a Hackers 3, music from and inspired by the film. But this launch, Prodigy, Massive Attack, Orbital, Leftfield, Underworld, Stereo MCs, Elastica, so many bands got launched in America off the back of this. These bands were sort of known in England. Really? Yeah. This... Because it was, this cost exactly
1: the same as the net, 20 million, while the net made over 100 million, this made 7.5 million. Did it? <laughs> yeah, it was a big flop.
3: Oh, no. I
1: know. Oh. Yeah, I know. And critics and audiences did new no like it. Which is weird because it's
2: actually not bad at all. And like and I said, I would have loved this at 15. But a cult has built up around it. It still gets screened all the time, all over the world. They've had re-releases on DVD, special editions on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a film that has had a life in a way that the net has not. When they had their uh,
1: 20th anniversary in 2015, they uh, had screenings in LA that Matthew Lillard introduced and Johnny Lee Miller and Ian Softley, the director, did them in London. So yeah, yeah it has become a genuine, I know that phrase is banned about but it is a genuine cult classic yep um okay five star review and one star review my five star review five stars this is a blast great music terrible clothes awful attitudes i watched it twice in the same week (laughs) fine (laughs) one star review however and i think you're gonna love this one purchased on a vhs tape in 2000 (laughs) by the way that's when this review comes from
3: okay
1: this has to be the worst video on earth (laughs) If only hacking was this easy. Save your money and buy the net instead.
3: Definitely.
2: <laughs> wow. Yep.
3: Okay, so having watched Hackers, having watched the net, having talked about them both at length and how different the hacking is in each film, like the difference between the two is unbelievable if you think about it. Hmm. Angela Bennett's out there doing what I think is quite, what I believe, because obviously I've got no idea, is quite realistic hacking versus towering infernos of electricity and maths equations and God knows what else in um, Hackers, which is much more fun to look at, but unrealistic.
2: I feel like she's trying to sway us (laughs) in a certain direction here. (laughs) I feel like there's some mind games happening.
3: (laughs) So which of the two do you think is the better film?
2: Chris? So uh, my memory of the two films, which because I watched them both in 1995, was uh, The Net was by far the better film. But having rewatched them this week, I am completely changing my opinion. I think Hackers is by far the better film. I found it hugely entertaining. I think it's a fascinating time capsule of a time. They get so much wrong, but that's what makes it so interesting. Um, I think it's a film that truly commits... You know, from Matthew Lillard's performance to the clothes to the visuals to the incredible soundtrack, I just feel like it's a film that's trying harder, and for that reason, Hackers gets my vote. Fine.
1: What's <laughs> <laughs> oh, <shit, laughs> <stop.
2: laughs> You at me?
3: I got glare. No, no, I thought really valid points. Yeah. Um, so, Alex, um, just before you agree with Crit, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> what is your own independent decision? <laughs> <laughs> So oh, it's really difficult for you know,
1: because you have to understand, I've seen the net so many times. <laughs> I had to watch it for research purposes yesterday and I, I felt like it was a chore. Whereas I watched Hackers for the first time yesterday, for the first time, and I felt like a kid again. And I wanted it to be 1995 and I was full of, like, nostalgia and the music and it made me, like... Wanna be young and I was looking at the nineties through these rose tinted glasses and thinking, God, wanna be 15, I want it to be 1995, and that's why I'm picking the net. <laughs> ah, that's like, it made me feel sick. I don't want to remember things like that. God, who
3: does? Fair enough. Are you being serious? Yeah. Yay! I will address my own bias. If Sandra Bullock wasn't in the net, I think hackers would be the better film, but she is, and so I choose the net. Yeah, let's
1: have the net as the winner. I mean I honestly I'm really on the fence. I really loved hackers I so much and I wanted to pick hackers, but you know, I just it made me want to be young again and I can't have that in my life. <laughs>
3: I just can't
2: have that
1: in Do my Do not life.
3: push on that door. Fair yeah. enough. Thank you. You've <laughs> right the way him. he dresses. He's trying
2: to be bloody 15 again. Bloody <laughs> the nonsense.
3: Skinny jeans was the
1: wrong call for this room. I think <laughs> am... must be
3: dying. I'm so hot.
2: <laughs> gonna peel Alex off the chair.
1: <laughs> um, all right. So whose choice is it next week?
2: Uh, Alex Zane, I believe it's your choice it next week. It is
1: my choice next week. So I'm not going to give you the connection. That will be revealed next week. I'm going to announce the films. Before I do, if you want to get in touch with us and have an opinion on the films we talked about this week or the films I'm about to announce and maybe have
2: a guess at what the connection might be, the details are, Chris? Uh, you can email us at clashofthetitles at gmail.com. That's titles at gmail.com. Or hit us up on Twitter at ClashPod. Lovely stuff. So... My movies for next
1: week are... All right, so the two movies that I'm picking for next week's show, you can have one of them each, are... The Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, Street Fighter. Okay. <laughs> and Paul W.S. Anderson's
2: Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say now I think I can guess the connection already, but, but that's fine. That's fine. We'll play the game. I'm keeping it simple. Keeping it simple. As like early. it. Yeah, I
1: like it. So do either of you have a preference for which you get?
2: No. I would, I, I would like Street Fighter if I could. Chris, you get Street Fighter. Vicky, you are
1: playing mortal kombat
3: very happy to do so
1: thank you so much for listening please subscribe to us on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts Bye for now.
3: This show is part of the Radio Stacano (laughs) Network.